Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Katie, and welcome to 360 View. This is where we explore a broad range of ideas on all things affecting your body, your wellness, and your mind. Welcome back, viewers, to 360. So in this episode, we are interviewing Blake Repine. Blake is one of our good friends and an all-round incredible person. Blake is the author of Soldier to Executive, Applying Army Leadership Principles into the Corporate World. He spent 18 and a half years in the military with four deployments before being medically discharged, which formed the base for his leadership passion that he goes through today. So he served as a firefighter and a paramedic. Blake has also studied his MBA, which led him to lead top organizations to success. Blake is a National Olympic weightlifting coach, as well as a high-level lifter himself. So his experiences in weird and wonderful fields keep coming out, to which we find ourselves saying, of course he has. So more than anything, Blake's want to help and his compassion for people paired with a no BS approach to getting stuff done is what makes him so successful and drawing. In this episode, we chat all things goal setting, mindset, motivation, as well as some leadership principles that will surely help you create an amazing 2021. Enjoy. So we're really excited to have you here, Blake. Great that you could make the time to um, chat with us. We're going through today um, a bit of stuff on some goal setting, some motivation, some working out your whys and stuff like that. So the first thing is probably to go through a bit of background on yourself as far as how you came to where you are, what you found is a real great thing uh, to sort of move through as far as goal setting, motivation and stuff and sort of how you've built up to where you found yourself today. Uh, so I guess how I got to where I am today, sitting here in Emerald, Queensland. Um, so going back, I spent 18 and a half years in the U.S. Army and was medically discharged in February of 2013. Uh, at that same time, I actually moved to Australia and had no job, nothing. Everything I had was actually in three duffel bags and um, landed here and just decided to give it a go and see if I had what it takes, I guess, to make it in the real world. So I had to grow up and get a real job, I guess, after leaving the army and went through a, I guess, a mate of a mate had a company that wasn't doing too well. It was right during the downturn in mining. And of course, being in Rockhampton, there was quite a few businesses that did business in the central Highlands as well that were hurting at the time. And his business wasn't doing very well. So I went in and said, I want to help you out and see if I can turn it around. And he actually said, I can't pay you. And I said, that's fine, but you're going to be an advocate for me once I fix your business. So uh, just kind of back of myself, went in, did that, did very well. Um, and then moving on from that, I actually uh, was the practice manager slash CEO of Evans Edwards and Associates, one of the local accounting firms in the region. Did that for quite a few, uh, for quite a while, and then took them through a whole rebranding process, a whole strategic planning process, and a digitization and automation process within their organization and then went out on my own for a little bit and really specialized in businesses and business development that were doing around 10 million a year or less in turnover and had less than 100 employees just kind of focusing on that niche uh, through various I guess contacts and contracts within that business I had a relationship with Central Queensland University uh, when I was at Evans Editors and Associates, I was asked to be the chair of their uh, advisory committee to the School of Business and Law. So started doing that. And then I was actually asked to look at some of their research and commercializing that research. Uh, a few months later, I actually came on board as their associate director of finance and planning for the whole university. And about six months after that, I was asked to become the associate vice chancellor at the Emerald campus here in the Central Highlands. 
I did that for quite a while. Then when my contract uh, was up there, I went to the Northern Territory for a little bit. I was a chief operating officer at Music School of Health Research. Uh, while I was there, again, took them through kind of an updating process around some of their digital systems and things and also set up their office in East Timor. And then came from there out to the outback, a little town called Junda. It was a deputy CEO of the Barkushire Council. Um, in very remote area, 260 people in an area of about 65,000 square kilometers. And then back to Emerald from there, just on a, kind of on a whim, just decided to move back to Emerald. Um, always liked it here in Emerald. Uh, good people such as yourselves. And um, you know, just really felt like it's where I needed to be. So that's kind of how I ended up here. Uh, my background currently, I'm interim CEO of a community service organization, as well as I'm a board member with the Central West Hospital Health Service, a uh, board member with an organization called CHAIR. Uh, and of course, have another organization called Integrum Business Solutions that I run on the back end. I'm a published author and also have a podcast. So, um, yeah, so that's a little keeps bit about me. Busy. Keeps you yes. very busy with everything there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and also, cool. I guess, uh, as you guys would know, too, the, the president of the Vivid Barbell Club, which is a not-for-profit and the kind of the head coach there, too. So coaching that, that uh, barbell club as well. So, yeah, almost left that out. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty huge. So when yeah. you've moved through all of these organizations, obviously most of what you've done is with even when you're looking at under 100 employees, that's a lot of individuals that you're working with even on higher scale organizations. So when do you find that you move from working with the organization as a whole to working on an individual level with the people that are in it and the people that make it up? And how does that process work of improving? Yeah, so um, I guess when you look at organizations, so whenever I was out on my own, I specialized in those, those small to medium-sized businesses. Um, I've worked with organizations as small as, you know, just, like a husband and wife team starting up a company to I've been responsible for portfolios worth hundreds of millions of dollars and, you know, nearly a thousand employees. Um, so I've worked kind of at, at both ends of the spectrum. And whenever you uh, work with any of those, with any of those people within those organizations, you spend a lot of time around developing those interpersonal skills with people around developing leadership skills around mindset type stuff. Um, and getting people to, I guess, think about their work in a different way, uh, particularly at the higher levels. It's, um, it's getting people to transition from relying on their technical skills to relying on their interpersonal skills and how do they do that and, and building that comfort with that. But a lot of it, too, is just working with individuals to build their confidence, to helping them to realize their potential. You know, I remember a guy once said to me, he said, when people realize Passion is what people have when they realize their potential. So if you can work with someone, help them realize their own potential and work to that potential, you'll start to see they'll start to have a lot more passion. It's because they build comfort around it. They feel good about what they're doing. And so they want to achieve more once they realize that they actually have the capability to do that. And I'd say there's, there's really not an organization size where that's any different. So I've seen it the same, you know, senior executives with a billion dollar portfolio to, again, that single or a couple owning a business on their own, you know, a lot of it is around that mindset and realizing potential and realizing what they have to do um, to achieve whatever it is they're trying to achieve. So then how do you get them to realize that potential? Oh, that's different for every person. Um, one of the things is first, you, you kind of got to step back 
from the potential bit. So I believe everybody has potential far beyond whatever they're doing or, you know, whatever they feel like they're capable of now. And you see it all the time. Um, and I'll give you some examples of that in a second. But the first thing you have to do is realize what, what's the motivator behind that. You have to understand why do you do what you do every single day? Why did you start that business? Why did you take on this role? Why are you doing this job? What, what are you doing it for? And it's pretty interesting whenever you actually dig into that with some people. Some people don't know why they're doing it. Uh, some people are doing it because there was pressures whenever they were, you know, leaving high school and, and going out into the, the real world and, you know, adulting and getting a job. And there was pressure on them from their family or their peers and things to, to go into a certain career field. And, and they hate it. You know, there, there's, I forget the numbers on job satisfaction. There's so many people that hate their job. What's your motivator showing up that job every day? Is it just a paycheck or are you getting any kind of fulfillment? Um, again, and I suppose you you always hear about that from family wise as well as far as trying to give people options of what they could fall back on before they actually think about doing what they're passionate about or something they think they've got a big dream to do. So always you hear of the saying, I'll go and get a trade. So you've always got that to fall back on mm. before you go and do this. So in in essence, you're putting four or five years aside to try and get an exact credential or a piece of paper that says you can do what you're doing before you're actually allowed to do what you you think you're passionate about or what your original motivator was. And by that time, you're stuck in the circle of going around and around and around. Yeah. And typically, you know, you look at it kind of that uh, it's almost like the sunk cost fallacy. You know, I spent four years going through this apprenticeship or three or four years going through this university degree. So I have to do this job now. You know, I, I can't go back. I can't do anything different or they, you know, they grow into a, a salary or an income that they're leveraged to the hilt on. And so they mm. can't do anything else. Um, or, you know, they, they feel like, you know, once they have family and they have a partner, they have children, things like that, they can't do anything else because of, you know, the potential um, impact it could have on them and their lifestyle. Uh, so many times people, they, they say they want one thing, but their lives, totally contradict that you know people say i want want a job that's fulfilling well, why are you stuck in this job where, where you're not being fulfilled now i'll give you a good example of that if you take someone who's 35 years old who hates their job they hate their career they've been doing it since they let's say they left high school they did a four-year apprenticeship you know let's say they're about 22 years old when they're fully qualified now they're 35 right so they've been doing this job for 15 to 17 years you know depending on if they started at 18 or, or whatever mm. you know through their apprenticeship and things and they feel like they can't go back and do something else that they feel like they really want to do because of the income they're on. Again, they can't afford not to, to work that, you know, so they, you got this leverage hanging over you with this job. Um, they feel like they can't have this massive impact on their family uh, with them not working or, or going back to do another qualification. But if you look at that at 35 years old, you have another 30 years to work. That's almost twice as long as you've been in the workforce now. But it's hard for us to comprehend that because that's twice as long as we've been alive. Mm -hmm. So, but if you went back and you reinvested in yourself another three to four years, so now you have another 25 years, which is still longer than you originally worked in that first career, to have a whole nother career. You know, our working lives are very long, but we don't put it in perspective like that. You know, if, if your family's going to have to, if it is going to impact your family, well, set yourself up in a financial situation where to minimize that impact. The thing is, when you look at necessities in life, you know, having a roof over your head, food in your stomach, you know, a couple little nice things to have like aircon and TV, 
you have free-to-air TV. You don't need paid TV. You might not necessarily need internet. There's lots of places that give you free internet. There's all these little luxuries that actually we want to buy and spend money on that we just throw money away. Whenever you can pull back on those things for two or three years, four years, and then once you're back in the workforce doing these things, you know, you can go back up to that same lifestyle or, you know, switch off with, with a partner. You know, one of them works and supports the family while you go through that and then vice versa. But there's always a way you can achieve your goal. And I think that, uh, you know, when people, they're stuck in these, these ruts or they're stuck in this, this comfort zone, really is what it comes down to a lot of people. They're stuck in a comfort zone and they don't know how to get out of it. So they, they, they don't like, you know, where they work or what they're doing at work, or they don't necessarily like their, their personal relationship, who they're in a personal relationship with, or, you know, there's just something in their life that just isn't right. You know, they're not feeling fulfilled. I wouldn't say happy because happy is a a very short term emotion, just like anger and things like that. But, you know, we have to be fulfilled and we have to feel like, you know, we have a purpose in life. And if you're not getting that, well, what is it you have to do in order to feel like you're getting those things and feel fulfilled? Because whenever you're fulfilled, that energy will come back into your personal relationships. That energy will come back into the workplace. And it is infectious, just like anger and hatred and things like that are infectious or people just being, um, you know, mediocre in the workplace. That's infectious too. You have to stay away from those things, first of all. But when we look at that, a lot of times people, they, they're not willing, they understand, well, this is what I want to achieve, or this is where I would prefer to be. And they might not, and they might not understand the steps to get there, which is why sometimes you might need some outside help, or they may understand the steps to get there, but they're not willing to take those steps to get there because anytime we do one thing, we sacrifice something else. You know, that time's the biggest one. Oh, I don't have time to go back to do that qualification. I don't have time to go back to you need to do that degree. I don't have time to do this. And that is complete bullshit because everybody has the same amount of time. And what I always tell people when they tell me that, no, reframe what you're saying and say, it's not a priority that I do that because we make time for things that are a priority. So if we, you know, if you ask someone who says they don't have time, you say, well, do you ever watch TV? You know, do you ever um, play games on your phone? Are you ever on social media? Well, that's time that you can get rid of or replace with these other things that will add value to your life. Now, granted, just like how we plan in rest days and things like that within our workout programming, we can plan those too within our um, our personal lives too. You know, we can go out and we can actually set these goals and we can do all this hard work to reach those goals. But every now and again, we do need to step back and take a rest day, get a little bit of mental clarity and then go back into a recharge. So it's not all the time. You know, sometimes I do want to sit down and watch TV because I want to laugh. I just kind of want to escape for a minute, but it's not every single day. If you're doing that every single day, seven days a week, four or five hours a day, I tell you right now, you could complete, you could be a full-time university student in that same amount of time. So you sacrifice that for three or four years and now you have a new qualification. You've reinvested in yourself. You've done something with your life that will actually, you know, could potentially, you know, change your lifestyle. It could change your whole mindset. And I, and I suppose with that, having a few little, like you say, goals or rewards by setting aside that time and saying, yes, you can sit down and you can watch TV or veg out or have that, um, just that down regulation there. By knowing that's there, you've actually got 
an allocated time and scheduled to do that. So you know the rest of your time is doing what you're working towards in your long-term or potential, your goal for what you're acting or what you're going towards. You know the potential on a Saturday afternoon from three till five, that's the time when you know you're going to sit down for the week. So we know that that's set aside already. Yeah, it's just kind of like having a cheat meal day, you know? Mm. Um, you know, one day a week, if you want to have cheat meals, just don't blow it out, you know, but one yeah. day a week, sit down and, and disconnect or... You know, if you do have a family, you're going to miss the the trade off there. Sometimes will be time with them in the evenings, things like that. So set aside one day on the weekend, and on that day, don't turn on the TV. Spend it with your family. You know, if that's what's important to you. Uh, you know, it's it's quality of time, not necessarily quantity of time. Sometimes, mm. and if you're actually open and talk to them and explain to them what you're doing, what you're trying to achieve, they'll see the benefit of that and they'll support you in it. Um, yeah, it's exactly that same kind of mindset. And I think you'll actually find once you start trading off that time for things that actually add value to your life, whether it be, you know, spending that whole day with your family with no social media, no TV, no other distractions, or spending that time focusing on some qualification or just upskilling some skills that you want, you know, learning a new skill, uh, whatever it might be. I think you'll actually find that you don't miss that other stuff as much as you think you would. Um, you know, you, you very quite quickly, it's almost like being disconnected. You go, I don't even know what shows are on TV anymore, you know? Mm. And, and, uh, so whenever you go look, you're just, oh, I'm really not interested. And I think I want to go back and watch this YouTube video on how to do this and learn how to do something else new or go on Skillshare, you know, or, or whatever it could be. Uh, yeah. Somewhere to know. redirect your attention to. Yeah. And reinvesting back in yourself. Once you get into it and really start, um, learning and you start seeing the results of that it, it can become addictive too just like sitting there in front of the tv and vegging out can become addictive so it, it's just a trade-off and you sometimes just have to start in order to get there yeah, yeah. Sure. so then on that as well something that we hear a lot is that people would love to do those things and they'll hear something like this and be like oh i would love to but i just struggle with the motivation to do that um, and they're so comfortable. Well, they think that they're comfortable in the position where they are, that it seems too uncomfortable to step out of that. And it's this whole idea of having to have this motivation to push forward and do something, whether that's in training, whether it's in like your um, self-help, your self-progress. And like, what's your view on motivation? How do, how do you think that plays a role? So motivation sometimes can get you started, but you shouldn't rely on motivation. You know, long-term, most things that are worth achieving and most things that you're going to achieve, if you really want to achieve, they're going to take time. They're going to take hard work. Motivation is not going to get you there. You might, you know, you're not going to feel motivated every single day that you wake up. Like I, I know I'm not motivated every day to get up and go work out, you know, four to five weeks into a program or six, eight weeks into a program, my body's beat down. You don't want to get up, but you still do it. So because it's discipline, you got to develop discipline and you got to be consistent. And people that tell me, well, I'm not motivated. I just can't get motivated. Do it. Then you don't want it bad enough. And, and that's usually my answer to them. If you wanted it bad enough, you would do whatever it takes to get there. And I'll tell you, um, you might've heard him, a guy by the name of Eric Thomas. He actually did this little speech. I'm not sure who he's talking to. I think it was some uh, like at risk youth or something, but he told a story about a young man that he, he wanted to be successful in life. So we went to the most successful person he knows. And he told him, he said, I, I want you to mentor me. I want you to be, uh, you know, teach me how to be successful, how to be rich like you, how to be successful like you. Teach me how to do that. And the old man told him, he said, okay, he said, if you really want it bad enough, 
tomorrow morning, meet me at the beach at 4 a.m. So this guy's thinking, okay, 4 a.m. at the beach. So the next morning, 4 a.m., the kid's there. He's wearing a suit. And this old man shows up, you know, shorts and T-shirt. And he tells me, okay, he said, um, so you want to learn how to be successful? He said, yes. He said, then follow me into the water. And this kid's like, how is this going to teach me how to be successful? So they get in about waist deep. And he goes, okay. He goes, follow me in even deeper. So they go in even deeper. And then finally, the old man grabs the kid and he holds him down under the water. And the kid sitting there for a few seconds, all of a sudden he starts fighting, fighting, fighting to get up. So, because he can't breathe. So he's trying to get up to breathe. Finally, the old man lets him up and the kid's just gasping for air. And he said, you know, he asked me, how does this help me learn how to be successful? And he said, you know how much you were fighting for that breath just then, how hard you're fighting because you had to get up above the water. You had to get that breath to live. And he said, yes. And he said, whenever you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, that's when you'll find success. Most people, they're not willing to push themselves to that limit. As soon as it gets a little bit uncomfortable or it gets a little bit hard, they quit or they pull right back. And then they come up with some excuse why they can't continue on, why they can't finish whatever it is that they've started. And that's the things you have to learn to push through. It's not always going to be easy. It's all it's going to be hard. You know, nothing in life that's worth having is, you know, comes easy. The more you work at it, the better you get, the easier it comes. So, you know, whenever you look at motivation, motivation is just fleeting. So do not rely on motivation. You have to have that discipline to get up every day. You have to have that mental toughness to know it's going to be hard. Sometimes you're not going to be able to do it alone. You're going to have to rely on other experts, other people for help. And that's why you have to surround yourself with those who are willing to actually help you because not everybody here wants to see you achieve. But and that's, I suppose that's the thing too, Blake, is to understand that there is a lot of people around there that don't want to see you succeed, that understand that there is people around there that don't, like see it as a, they sort of envy that for, or for you to be able to do it. It's the one I've heard as well as far as the, um, uh, the guy that was fishing off the end of the jetty and he had a bucket and it had crabs in it and some people walked past him and they saw the crabs climbing nearly to get out. And he told him that potentially he needs to put a cover on it or look to move the crabs to somewhere else with a lid. So he doesn't. He goes, no, just wait for a second and watch. And there was one crab that sort of nearly got to the top. And as quick as he nearly got to the top, there was another one that pulled him back down again. So it's yeah. something that I've continuously thought about as well as far as there is people out there potentially don't want to see you succeed and are going to continually looking for the negative or continually pull you back to try and make you change your pathway, see it as a problem for them as much as a problem for you and try and put it over onto yourself. And instead you need to find instead those you need people. to find those people and, and weed them out. It's like going through your garden and, and pulling out the weeds that aren't going to give you any benefit or are going to pull things down or suck the moisture out of everything. That's what things we need to try and evoke or pull out and start with ones that are actually going to help us. Yeah, it's exactly right. I'd say, you know, based on nothing empirical, but 99% of the people in your life don't want to see you succeed or in most people's lives. You know, how do you increase those numbers when you get rid of those that, you know, truly don't have your best interest at heart. And there's going to be some people that even resent you for what you're doing and what you want to achieve. And there's a lot of people that will sit there and they'll cheer you on. But at the end of the day, they don't expect you to achieve whatever it is that you're, you're going after. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and when you look at those things, um, you know, around achieving, a lot of times we'll, whenever we set a goal, we go to friends, family, things like that, people that are really close to us. And we'll, we'll ask these people for advice that have never actually achieved whatever it is you're trying to achieve. 
And so you're getting advice from people that have no idea what your journey is going to be like or have no idea what that endpoint looks like. So if you can, if you're capable, reach out to someone who's actually achieved whatever it is you want to achieve and ask them for advice. That's the best, you know, at the end of the day, they, they, you know, it could be someone they could care less whether or not you achieve, but they'll give you great advice to get you to where it is. You know, and then you have those people, you know, it could be your family, it could be your friends. Sometimes our families are the, are the, the worst ones to go to. Um, but, you know, it could be the friends that actually sit there and support us through the, the journey. But the advice we get on how to get through that journey should come from someone who's actually achieved whatever it is that we're trying to achieve. Instead of just, you know, you don't want to the cup, you know, it's like going to the pub and getting a, you know, business advice from someone sitting there next to you at the pub. Uh, you got to be very careful who you get your advice from. You know, is it actually coming from a, an expert point of view, someone who has achieved versus someone who hasn't? You know, if you want to learn about, you know, being motivation to get started, learn about self-discipline in order to keep going, ask someone who actually shows that self-discipline, who's been, you know, doing something over and over again for a very long time. They've made it through some very hard times, some challenging times. They've learned from that and they kept moving toward their goal and achieved their goal versus someone who, you know, might get started and then they quit. But sometimes we'll go to these people for advice because again, they're within our comfort zone. And we understand that whenever we fail, they've failed too. So it's okay. You know, that misery and mediocrity love company, they're more than happy to bring us back in. So, because as you achieve and you put yourself out there, it's going to cost you some relationships. And is this something you need to be upset about? No, because more than likely those are relationships that weren't very strong. And those are the people that truly didn't have your back. Uh, for me personally, you know, if someone doesn't want to be around me because I'm achieving, and, and I know in the past, like I have pissed some people off pretty bad because they feel like either you're leaving them behind or, you know, they, they come up with excuses in their head about why you're trying to achieve this. And it's always something negative toward them. And at the end, it's not. It's about me and my own personal drive and wanting to, you know, achieve these things that I've set forward for me to go forward to and achieve. And if they get upset about that and they don't want to have a friendship with me anymore or even a family member who, you know, doesn't see the value in that and is negative about it and actually is one of those people who's just dragging you down, cut them loose. You know, it, it's, it sounds difficult to do or it sounds like something some people might not be able to do, particularly when it comes to family members. But sometimes you have to do that. And again, just like anything else, the more you have to do it, and you'll find that actually the more you achieve, the more you're going to do it. But again, as one of them, you know, keep your circle small. But as one of them moves out, that opens up a space for somebody else in your life to come in that will be there for you to support you, that, you know, will be someone positive for you. Um, yeah, so relationships are incredibly important too. Massively important. So once you've gotten, so you're talking about, knowing what you want to achieve once you've actually gotten the end point of this i this broader idea of what you want to achieve how what is your process for then setting goals to get there and moving to get there like how do you step out the process for getting to this yeah. massive thing that you want to achieve it's different for everything so you know you can use the smart framework which is, is very good but i, I don't necessarily set like go where do i want to be five years from now or where do i want to be 10 years from now um, things like that. I just said, this is the goal I want to achieve. And then I started doing a backward planning process. So, and that is, okay, what does this goal look like? What, why, why do I want to achieve it? This is what it is. Okay. And then I start backward planning from there. What are the steps I need to go through to do that? And how long is it going to take me? And I'll give you a good example of that. Whenever I published my book, I said, okay, this, at the end of the day, I want a published book that I can hold, 
you know, that, that's been a goal of mine. Okay, what do the steps have to go through that? There's three different editing steps, different types of editors. You got a copy editor, type editor, all this other stuff. There's cover design, there's, you know, the layout. But then before that, I actually have to get it written, okay, and then I have to do several revisions uh, and, and things like that and get a couple proofreaders to go through it. Okay, well, how long does each one of those steps take? And I actually put those together and say, okay, this is going to take me this long and then start on the first step. And then you just have to get started. You know, you can sit down all day long and say, this is the goal I want to achieve. But if you don't put those steps in place and then understanding what each step entails and how long it's going to take you, you're, you're not going to achieve that goal. And you know, it comes back to almost the, the example of you know, the new year, new me, and people make these new year's resolutions. I don't make new year's resolutions because whenever I decide I want to do something, I identify what it is I want to do it, why I want to do it, and put those steps in place. And it doesn't matter if it's the 1st of January. If it's the 1st of January, I'm out hustling. It's not a new day on the 31st of December. I'm out hustling. I'm trying to get these things done for this goal that I set that, you know, starts and ends whenever it doesn't matter. Um, I think we put sometimes these arbitrary timelines around things and say, well, first of January, I'm going to start doing this. And okay, for 2021, this is my goal. I want to achieve. Okay. Well, what are you going to do to achieve it? And people can't, can't tell you, why do you want to achieve it? What's the difference it's going to make in your life? Is it just for fulfillment? Is it for, you know, to advance your career? Is it to make something better in your personal life? You know, what is it? But they, they don't know why. It's just a goal because everybody else is doing it. You know, usually that's one of the excuses. It's the thing to do right now. Um, you know, but it's your motivator to do something is going to be different than everybody else. Potentially your goal might be different. How you get there might be different. And then, but understanding that goal and that the reason why you want to achieve it is very important. And that might not ever change, but as you go through these steps, there's going to be roadblocks you're going to come up upon. There's going to be things that are going to, you know, potentially that could accelerate your progress to it. And there could be things that could slow down that progress. You know, it's, uh, you come back, there's no such thing as a, a stress free life. There's no such thing as a life without any kind of conflict or drama anything like that. There's always going to be stresses in your life, whether it be financial relationships. Uh, you know, if you live long enough, you're going to experience the death of, of someone in your family. Uh, it's inevitable because that's something that happens to everybody. Uh, you know, we just don't know when it's going to happen. Um, there's going to be all these things that are going to set you back, but understanding that main goal, it, it doesn't change. The reason why you want to achieve it might change slightly, but it never changes. And sometimes we might have to go, you know, to the side a little bit and go around uh, something. Sometimes it might, we might just have to pause for a little bit to get through something. But at the end of the day, you have to keep moving to those goals or toward those goals. Um, so accountability, so discipline to get through that. And accountability is another big one. Being accountable to yourself, holding yourself accountable to make sure you're actually hitting those goals and those timeframes and, and staying on track and, and reviewing your progress that you made and, um, and everything. And sometimes that, those are the best things to bring in, you know, a friend to help you with, you know, someone to hold you accountable, give them permission to hold you accountable. Now that, that's incredibly important. And you actually sit down and say, well, this is my goal. This is why I'm doing it. These are the steps I'm going to take. You know, the, these are the kind of the, the gateways of when you need to be asking me, where's this at? What's it doing? And then don't get mad at them whenever they do hold you accountable or kind of get up you for not making progress or whatever, because that's what you've asked them to do uh, and understand that. So, And 
I suppose with that, with having someone doing it, and we hear it all the time, is actually verbalizing either your goals or your action steps or somewhere that you're actually going to head to certainly puts it out there to make it so that people actually can hold you. Because otherwise, when it's just in your mind and you haven't written it down and you think about your goals and what you're going to do, it's quite easy to adjust them or it's suddenly got a bit difficult. So now that's suddenly not my goal because my motivation has died off and suddenly I don't think that that's now really where I want to be. Whereas, like you say, putting it down on paper and and putting steps in place and getting someone, uh, whether it's a a coach or somewhere else, to actually have that accountability towards certainly puts you two or three or four or five steps ahead of someone who's just literally just thinking about it continually every day when the alarm goes off at 5 a.m. and they need to get up and train or they need to get up and do that bit of study they can easily turn that alarm off and go, hey, there's no one going to turn up. No one's really going to know if I was going to start today or not. So it's easy for me to just push it to the side and I'll, I'll do it next week. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, even coaches need coaches too. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, I, I use a coach for my weightlifting. I also use a, you know, I used a coach when I was writing my book, just someone to make me accountable. But I think sometimes people, it's not comfortable to allow someone to hold you accountable uh, unless you do it a lot. Again, comfort comes with actually repetition, but a lot of people though, they'll, they'll, like you said, Ben, they'll, they'll hold it in their head because they're either embarrassed by it. Mm. Um, you know, I'm embarrassed, you know, to let people know this is something I want to do uh, or they feel like, well, I can hold it in my head because when I do fail, you know, nobody else knows only, yeah. only I know. So I'm, I'm the only one that knows I'm going to fail. And one, you're setting yourself up for failure right there. You're actually planning to fail. You have planned failure into or, you know, non-achievement into whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, and then being embarrassed, a lot of times people, they, they, they build this thing up in their mind. And I guess I'll talk about the, the narrative of, of people's life, right? Mm-hmm. They build this thing up in their mind that, oh, this is silly. I'm the only one who, who cares about it. Or, you know, people laugh at me when I do this. Uh, so they build this this narrative up in their mind that, you know, people will make fun of them or, you know, bully them or, or whatever because they want to do something. And usually that's that's not founded. Um, and I'll, I'll give you two examples around narrative where people will sometimes take themselves out of situations. The two examples are in, in relationships or potential relationships and in work setting. So the first one is, you know, potential relationships, particularly when we're young, you know, we, we got a crush on somebody. We like them. We want to ask them out. We think, you know, there's chemistry there or whatever. And we start building this thing up in their mind. Oh, they're so much better than me. Uh, you know, what if they reject me? Oh, I'm not good enough for them. I'm not what they want. So we start, you know, building these things up in our mind about why we're not good enough to be in the relationship with this other person or why they're too good for us to be in this, um, in this relationship with them. And usually that that's false. Or we build up in our mind that, um, you know, well, if I go and I let them know how I feel, they're going to reject me. And usually that that's not the case either. You know, there might be based on, oh, I'm afraid to lose a friend. You know, if I let them know how I feel, if you lose a friend because you let someone know how you feel, then how strong of a friend were they in the first place? You know, but thing is, you will never change that narrative. You never will be good enough until you believe, first of all, that you are good enough and tell yourself you are. And two, you'll never know what that person feels or they'll never know unless you actually say something. So you have to be confident enough to actually say something, you know, and then let them decide whether or not to reject you. Don't reject yourself. The other side of it is, you know, in, in business or in our careers, 
we feel like we're good enough to go to the next level or ready for a promotion. Uh, you know, we, we've done some really good things. You know, we're, we're, we're due a raise basically based off our performance and things like that. And then we start getting close to that point to kind of putting ourselves out there, going to whoever has it within their power to make that promotion happens or, or it could be a role that you want to apply for. You know, you think you're well suited for it's a step up from what you're doing now. But then we start building this narrative in our mind that, uh, well, you know, I, we start looking at reasons why we're not good enough to do that job. Or we start looking at reasons why they're going to reject us, you know, when we go ask for a promotion or for a raise and things like that. And we build up this whole thing. And it's a lot of anxiety around this, too. Oh, I'm not good enough. You know, why am I even bother? And the next thing you know, we don't get it. Someone else gets it. Why? Because they probably put, you know, their hand up or they put themselves forward and said, look, I feel like, you know, I should be in this role or I should do this because this promotion or this raise, or whatever, because of X, Y, and Z, and actually explain to them and lay out the evidence. And you go with that evidence base. Again, you're never going to change that narrative. You're going to stay exactly where you are unless you say something. So you have to drive the narrative of your life. If you want something, don't sit here in your mind and build reasons about why you're not good enough. Tell yourself why you think you're good enough. And it might sound a little bit egotistical, but you have to have that confidence. You have to tell yourself that you're confident. You have to tell yourself that you're good enough. Because what your mind, what you tell your mind is what it believes. So if you're always telling your mind that I'm not good enough for the, you know, being in a relationship with this person, or I'm not good enough for this role at work, or I'm not good enough for this, you all you believe and all you're telling yourself is I'm not good enough. These are the reasons why I'm not good enough. So then you go out and you work on these reasons why, but you always come up with reasons why. You just have to change that narrative and you have to drive the narrative of why you are good enough, why you should do it. And Come back to another one. So along with that is nobody owes you anything. Okay. So nobody owes you anything. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to put yourself out there and earn whatever it is that you're going to get. So but at the same time, too, we have to tell ourselves in our mind that I am good enough for this. I should put myself forward because, or I will put myself forward because I can do this role or I can be in this relationship because this is what I have to offer. You know, whenever you, um, you know, tell yourself you're not good enough or you're not worthy, you're actually going into something, even if you still continue to go into it, at, at a position of unbalanced power. So you've actually put someone above you or you put a role above you, what you're capable of, whenever that's not necessarily the case. Um, yeah, and you you always see it a lot of the times is, is people are only going to beat or you're going to only beat your own drum as hard as you can. So no one else is going to beat that drum for you. You need to be able to beat it as hard as you can to, to yeah. let everyone know that you're either better suited for it or there's reasons why you should be doing what you're doing or you've got the skills to be able to do it. Because a lot of the times we find, and, and I know myself, moving through different companies, you see a lot of people that end up being either promoted or put into um, higher positions that you knew when they were either down on a lower level that definitely weren't suited to that, but they were the person that was willing to put their name forward and show the reasons why they could do that and maybe evolved into the job as they were sort of going into, as they started it and built from there. Yeah. So it's something that certainly if you're, you, you don't find that or you keep finding, like you say, those negatives as to why you shouldn't or why you're not good enough or you don't have those skills, why instead of you saying, hey, I can do this, I know that I can find those skills or I already have a step into finding that final skill or being able to do that, I can learn it as I go. I'm willing to change and I'm willing to build from here. No, that's exactly right. And yeah, I can remember um, a lady that worked for me several years ago who was really upset one day because she didn't get a promotion. 
And I mean, just tears crying. I asked her, well, she was actually a few levels down. And I actually asked her, I said, well, um, did you at least get an interview, you know, for the role? And she goes, no. And I said, oh, that's surprising. You know, I thought you would have at least got an interview. She said, well, I didn't apply for it. I said, so why are you upset? Because you didn't get a role you didn't apply for, but you felt like you were qualified for. Oh, well, I felt like because, you know, they were looking for this, this, and this, I didn't have those skills. I said, yeah, but otherwise you're fully qualified. You are never going to step into a role that you're 100% qualified for. There's always going to be some yeah. growth. And that's actually a positive thing. You want to be able to grow as you move up. So if you're only looking for roles that you're 100% qualified for, that is not a growth mentality. Um, and and same, um, anyway, that's where I'll leave that. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, and then too, don't be upset if you don't go for something and you don't get it because that's what's going to happen every single time. You'll never get a job if you never apply for one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, same thing too, if, you know, you're, you're looking for a relationship, you'll never be in a relationship with somebody if you never put yourself out there. You have to put yourself out there. You have to have confidence in, in, in all those situations. Same thing too, you know, on a sports team, you have to put yourself out there. You have to get on the field to play. Yeah. You know, don't be upset if you're not chosen for a team, but you never show up to play. Thank you viewers for tuning into another episode of 360 View. You can follow us on Instagram at 360view.co to stay up to date with everything we're doing and tag us in your podcast list. If you found value in today's episode, leave us a like, a review, and a five-star rating. If you know someone who could benefit from listening to this episode, give it a share. If you have any questions, shoot us a DM on Instagram and we'll answer them in the show. Thanks again, viewers, and we'll chat to you in the next one.